Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Uh, but I want everybody to have a note card, and we are back in our Gospel of John series. We took some time off for Christmas. Um, we had our Christmas, excuse me, our Christmas series, and, uh, and then we had a New Year's message last week for the beginning of the new year, and we're jumping back into the Gospel of John. We have had over 30 messages in the Gospel of John. We started it, my goodness, probably last year, beginning of 2022. And have been going through, obviously took some time off for holidays last year as well, and things like that. But we've been in the Gospel of John for a while, and we are in chapter 8. Today's message is very important. I want you to hold those note cards, and there's pens. Everybody should have a pen, and I want us to utilize this, please. When the time comes, I'll let you know what I want you to do with those in just a minute. But we're going to jump right into the message this morning. How many of you have been lied to before? Would you raise your hand? I, I, would, I was hoping everybody would say, yeah, I don't think any of us have been exempt from being lied to. Um, as a kid, you know, um, and sometimes even as a parent, I'm guilty of this, but you know, you got your kid, or maybe I was that kid that had this really annoying toy that made a lot of noise, and then when the batteries died, um, you know, my dad was like, I'm like, Dad, we got to change the batteries. Like, oh, you know, they don't make batteries anymore, something like that, you know, just some kind of lie, or hey, you can't use my truck, Donald, because um, you have to be at least... Uh, you know, six feet tall to drive my truck. And my dad's like 5'4", so we know that's not true. But you know, whatever it may be funny, these vegetables are going to help you grow big and strong. And those, that's true, but you still don't want them. And I know one was like, you're going to use this math one day. You need to do your homework. And that, to me, is like the greatest of all lies, except for the fact is that now when I'm trying to help my sixth grader with his homework on math, I'm like, I don't know. What, what I'm doing at all. I'm like, I need to look at Google and ask Siri. How do you, what is five times three fourths? I have no clue anymore. But what's worse than being lied to is actually falling for it and believing it. See, if someone tells you something about a restaurant, that restaurant's terrible. You don't want to go there and you believe it, um, then you're going to miss out if it's actually good. Or the other way around, I've heard like, hey, like, you've got to try this place, it's delicious. And then you go, like, this is terrible, I don't like this at all. Um, if we believe a lie about somebody, we hear something about somebody else, a friend or family member or somebody, and we just believe it just because, then we're going to begin treating that person as if what we were told is true, even when it's not. See, lies in general, telling lies, lies are destructive all on their own. They always grow. But believing lies brings just as much destruction. It, it, it compounds it. We've all done it. I, I've been there. It's easy when you hear something about somebody or something or some situation to, to hear something. And, and, and now you kind of get a little bit of a rush. Like, hey, now I know. I'm in the know now. This is, this is great. And we've all been guilty of that. But, but sometimes the lies that we believe are not about a restaurant or another person. But the lies that we believe are about you about me. See, the message today that we're going to talk about is called The Lies We Believe. I want to pause and say this before we do this note card exercise. This message is probably one of the most challenging messages. I've, I've, I've preached some things on this topic before, and every time I get ready to preach on this topic, I promise you, I feel under so much attack spiritually. Everything goes wrong. There are distractions like crazy. When I'm trying to preach this message, there's distractions. I, I am not shocked in the slightest that this morning was a whirlwind of events for people. I know that. I, and I, I stay, I, man, I would go to my grave believing that, that the enemy is, does not want you to hear this message today at all. He does not. He does not want me to preach this message. So I'm, I'm saying that just to remind you you know, if the fire alarms go off randomly, <coughs> it's probably the enemy. He doesn't want you to hear this. And we're going to preach right through it unless there's an actual fire. Then obviously we wouldn't. Um, but, but this is so serious. Um, <coughs> we are not the only ones that talk to ourselves. We have a voice in our head, don't we? we I know. And, and often it's so easy to think that everything we hear in our heads is us, in our own heart and our own mind. But as real as God is, 
and I would assume that most of us, hopefully all of us, believe that there is a God, that he's real. There's an enemy, too, that the devil is real. And he wants to destroy your life. And he'll lie and lie and lie to each and every one of us, including myself. Some of the lies that we hear. Here's why I want you to take your note cards. I'm going to read through a list of common lies that we hear about ourselves. And what I want you to do, I'm going to read them not fast but not slow. And I want you to write fast. I want you to write down every lie that resonates with you. Okay? Maybe you say, well, I don't believe it anymore, but at one time in your life, you did hear this lie in your head and you believed it for a time. Maybe you say, well, I've gotten over that now. I just want you to write any lie, any phrase that resonates with you. Okay? And just write them down. You got your pen. I'm going to go through them. There's many. Um, so I'm going to start now. So you just write down which ones resonate with you. The first one is, um, and I'm just going to read right through them. Everyone hates me. I am a burden. God does not care about me. And even if you have to paraphrase when you're writing these down, because I know if we, if I, I don't know if you're a fast or slow writer, just even paraphrase and just, I am a failure. Everything I do turns out bad. No one understands me. Nobody loves me. I must protect myself or I'll be hurt. I can't please anyone. God never does anything for me. I always mess things up. I always mess up. And by the way, at the end of all this, I'm going to share with you some of the ones that I've heard. I may not be writing, but... Next one. Nothing I have to say is important. Write fast. I'll never accomplish anything. This one really is for the guys. I'll never be man enough. And maybe for lady, I'll never be strong enough. I don't deserve anything. I am a loser. I am not gifted. God doesn't love me. Here's a pretty popular one. I am all alone. I know there's a lot of these, but I want you to hear them and I want you to see, write down which ones resonate with you. My opinions never matter. I am forgotten. I am hopeless. I am insignificant. I'm never going to get anywhere in life. Everyone is against me. I'm not good enough. I'm not accepted. I'm not important. I can never change. I'll never measure up. I'm not worthy of love. I cannot keep from failing. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. No one appreciates what I do. I'm worthless. I can never overcome, fill in the blank, whatever it is in your life that you just can't seem to get past. I can never overcome, fill in the blank. No one cares how I feel. I cannot be forgiven. Ooh, this is a tough one. I don't have any real friends. I was a mistake. God has no purpose for my life. Almost done, church. Stay with me, please. I'll never be free. I'm not adequate. I'm not needed. Here's one. If I'm not perfect, I won't be loved. 
It's always my fault. Everyone will be better off without me. <clears throat> my past will always define me. Nothing I do is ever good enough. And maybe there's something that you're thinking of that I haven't said and you can write down. Now, I'm not going to have you do this, um, and I've read through these lies before with a group of probably 400 teenagers and, young, and adults that were there as well. And at the end of that, I said, how many filled up one side of their card and everybody? I said, how many filled up both sides of their card and everybody? And if I'm guessing correctly, I would assume that the majority of us probably filled up both sides of the card, or at least one side of the card, um, and so did I. Um, so we're going to come back to those. I want you to hold on to those. I want to help you this morning, church. I really do. I, I want you to, to, to do your best right now. And I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into the, to the actual scriptures, John chapter 8, um, and we're going to get right into the message this morning. What I want you to do is this. I don't want you to walk, look at your watches. I don't want you, and I have to guard myself too, because I'll be like, oh, I want to get him out of here soon. This is so much more important than anything else going on today. I promise you that. I promise you that. And like I already said, the enemy does not want you to hear this. He will put everything on your mind right now. He just will. Anything he can do to distract you. If our TV start walking out, you know, I'm telling you, you say, that's weird. It's this the way it is. The powers of hell are real. And they want to destroy you. And he'll do anything he can to distract you, to keep you from hearing this message. So I'm begging you as your pastor, as someone that has believed lies about himself for decades to hear me on this, to listen to the words of God and to the truth that I want to share with you today. I know, and I already debated this morning with knowing people were going to be out of town or gone, and so I said, maybe I should just preach this next week and just wait till everybody's here. And the truth is, no one's ever always going to be here probably. And I know that I'm supposed to, I know somebody needs this today. I know somebody needs to hear this. So I'm begging you to buckle up, listen, focus, and hear what I have to say, what God has to say. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Please give me strength. Give me grace. You know that, Lord, there's a lot of nerves in my heart. <coughs> you know, this cough's been bothering me. Lord, you know that there's a lot in my mind. I ask in the name of Jesus for you to just fill this place. Guard our minds from distractions. Guard me from distractions. Help me not to get self-conscious, but help me just to, Lord, believe the truth that you say about me. I'm called by you. Lord, you want me to preach this and give me the power to do so. You're good and you're faithful. Help somebody today. In Jesus' name we pray and ask for all these things. Amen. So we have been going through the Gospel of John. John chapter 8, the beginning of it, we found the woman caught in adultery. The Pharisees came and threw this lady down and said, you know, the, the, the law said that she's supposed to be stoned and killed. What do you say? And we remember that story and Jesus said, hey, whoever you hasn't sinned, you can throw the first stone. And everybody walked away. A great, beautiful story about meekness, about the grace of God. <coughs> Verses 12 through 30 of John 8. We saw Jesus telling all these people around, hey, I'm the light of the world. I'm sent by God. And they just didn't want to hear it. They didn't understand it. Uh, the last message we preached in the Gospel of John was verses 31 through 38, when Jesus said, the truth shall make you free. I'm from God. I'm sent from God. You're just not listening. And that was where we ended up before we started in our Christmas series. And now we get to John chapter 8. And uh, we're going to start in verse 30, uh, 39, uh, after he told them um, that, he was, um, that he was the light of the world, and that truth will make them free. John 37 and 38, I'm going to read those, and then we'll show the scriptures, the rest of them. Jesus said this to these people. He said, I know that you're from Abraham's family, yet you want to kill me because my message isn't really in your hearts. I'm telling you what my father has shown me, just as you are doing what your father has taught you. Okay, And that's uh, John chapter 8 and verse 37. And 38. Jesus is telling them, he's saying, listen, Abraham is the Old Testament. You know, he was you know, from back in the Old, Old Testament times. And they, they really looked up to the, the Israelites at this time, the, the people in Israel where Jesus was. Man, Old Testament prophecy and law, that was everything they looked to. So Abraham was like their father of source. Man, everything he did. And Jesus said, you, 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 you aren't like him. You know, you say you are, but you want to kill me. You know, Abraham didn't, didn't do those things. Um, in verse 39, we can look at the scripture, they should be on the screen. This is how the people answered him. They said, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. 
But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. saying, Abraham didn't do that. It's like, you're saying you're from Abraham. You're saying he's your father. You're saying that you, he's your mentor, your role model. But he wouldn't have done that. Abraham didn't <coughs> shy away from truth. If someone told Abraham back in the Old Testament, you know, the truth and, and, and the words from God, he would listen and obey them. He said, you're not doing these things. So don't say that Abraham's your father. Verse 41, he said, ye do the, do, you, ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And, and this is kind of a dig at Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. Joseph and Mary, we know that. And, and this is kind of like, well, we, we're not, you know, born out of wedlock. No, this is, this is we're, we, we have one father. It's God. And they're getting really defensive. And Jesus is just calling them out, saying, you do the works of your father. You do what your father does. Verse 42, this is what he says. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came, came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. In verse 44, he's talking to the people here, by the way. He says, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar, and the father of it. Verse 45, and because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Verse 46, which of you convinceth me of sin? If I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He's saying, can any of you accuse me of anything? Saying, no, no, Abraham's not your father. So your father's the devil. And that's what you're doing. You're doing the lust of your father. He's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning, and that's what you are doing. Anytime he speaks, it's a lie. Verse 47, the last scripture here. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Jesus is just telling them how it is. He's saying, you don't believe the truth. The truth is, Jesus was saying, I am the Messiah. I am sent from God. I am the, the light of the world. Jesus knew that he was what they needed, even though they didn't know that they needed him. And they refused to believe it. And every time he said, I'm the one, they were like, no, you can't be. You're a blasphemer. You're a liar. And listen, these people all around that, are, that should be hearing the truth of the gospel of Jesus, he was standing right there. He had proven himself by doing many miracles. They just didn't believe him. They believed a lie. When Jesus would say, I'm the light of the world, the enemy would whisper in their ears and say, don't, this guy's a, a fake. He's a phony. Just believe, go with your traditions, go with your gut, follow your heart. This guy is not telling the truth. And the same people here, a few chapters later, are going to accuse him and, and put him on a cross and kill him for crimes that he didn't do. That's what we see here. And Jesus calls him out and says, you're of your father the devil. And he takes a moment in that scripture, verse 44, to tell them who the devil is and, and what he does. And he says, he's a liar. He's been a murderer from the beginning. Everything he says, it's a lie. There's no truth in him. And church, we're talking this morning about the lies that we believe. And the same enemy that spoke lies to those hearts back then, at that, in this passage, is the same enemy from the beginning of time. And the same enemy that speaks in your mind and talks to you and lies to you. Those note cards that you're, that you're holding, that you have, that you wrote down, all those lies that you've heard in your lives are proof that the enemy is still trying to destroy us today. The scripture said in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be serious, be on guard, be vigilant for your adversary, your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You, we, we so often get so caught up in, our, in the business, we forget that there's an enemy constantly on the hunt for you, for me, for this church, for this community, trying to destroy us, trying to bring us low. But why do we believe these lies? Because when we, when we put them on paper, we may look like, well, I can't believe I actually, why do we believe these lies? Why do we do these things? And to understand, we have to go back to the beginning. We haven't done a Bible study on the book of Genesis yet, the first book of the Bible, but at the beginning we know that the first scripture in the Bible is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the world. The Bible says that everything he made was good. He made the trees, the forest, the animals. He made Adam and Eve, the first people. And they lived in peace. 
And they lived free from anxiety, free from fear, free from sin. There was no sin on the earth at all. And Jesus had one rule. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was his one rule. You can eat of any other tree in the garden, the Garden of Eden, but do not eat from this tree. And what happened in the scriptures? If you know the story, you know what I'm going to say. Satan, the enemy, came in the form of a snake, of a serpent, and tempted Eve. And guess what he did? He lied to Eve and said, why don't you have one of the, you know, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And she goes, oh, God said that if we eat of that, we'll die. And Satan says, no, that's not true. No, you you won't die. He's like, the truth is, if you eat from that tree, you'll become like God's. And that's why he doesn't want you to take him. And Satan lied to Eve. And guess what? She believed it and ate of that tree and then brought it to Adam and said, no, this is, and Adam ate. And guess what? When that happened, the first sin was committed and sin entered the world. And that perfect, peaceful, beautiful relationship between God and man was severed and broken. They had believed the lies of the enemy and sin entered the world. Sin causes us to believe the words of the deceiver over the words of the God of all truth. That's what sin does in our lives. See, God had given them the rules. God had told them exactly what to do, what not to do. There was only one rule, and they still believed the enemy. Without a relationship with God, we're blinded, and our ears are blocked from hearing truth. That's what sin does in our lives. We're defenseless against the power of sin and the temptations of the enemy in our own strength. We just don't have what it takes to live a life of peace and, 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 and honestly live a life worthy to get to heaven. We just don't have it in us. We can't do it. We're sinners. Sin has entered the world. We'll lose every time and believe the lies of the enemy when we try to do it in our own strength. And what happens is when the enemy speaks lies into our hearts, the enemy's lies will become part of our reality and determine who we believe we are. See, all those things you wrote down At one point, the enemy said, hey, you're a loser. Hey, you're not worthy. Hey, you're not good enough. Hey, you're not accepted. Hey, no one cares what you think. Blah, 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 blah. And it was all kind of at us. And then sooner or later, after not crushing those lies, you know what we started to say? I am a loser. I am unworthy. No one does. No one cares what I think. And it becomes personal to us. And it becomes part of who we believe that we are. That's the process. But God made a way out. See, yes, sin entered the world. God made a way to live in peace. Jesus came down to earth. God sent his only begotten son. And Jesus' death on the cross made a way out for us. It took the punishment of our sins upon himself so that we can have a relationship again. That broken relationship that happened at the garden was put back together by the death of Jesus Christ. He took all of our sin upon himself, defeated sin and fear at the cross, and rose again and showed the power, and that same power that raised him from the dead is the power that we have. When we trust Jesus, confess our sins to him, accept him, he gives us daily grace to live out real truth. That's the truth. We sang it last week. I'm chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You're for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. When you trusted Jesus, when you got saved and asked Jesus to to forgive you of your sins, the Spirit of God moved into your heart, giving you the power, giving you access to the power to, to crush the lies of the enemy that you've believed for so long that the enemy continues to speak into your life. Church, the enemy is still here. The enemy is still active, daily trying to convince us that we don't matter, and he's going to reinforce it with situations in our life forever if we don't combat it. I hate the enemy. Mm, ticks me off so bad sometimes. Man, I was I was upset. I'll say this. I was, and I want to be. I'm going to be probably more open this morning than I ever have been. I was so frustrated this morning when I found out that poor Shane had to go to the hospital. You know, and I was like, ooh, I know the enemy is attacking. And it bugged me. It frustrated me. Because what the devil does is he takes tragic situations in our lives and uses those times when we're already down to kick us while we're down. Already. It's awful. 
He'll use, he'll use uh, uh, tragedy in our lives or, or abuse in our lives that we face. And in those, think about it. How many, how many young people have you talked to that have been abused at a young age and then they think it was their fault? That's the lies of the enemy whispering in their ears. This is because of you. And they believe it. It's awful. That's the enemy. That's how sick and twisted and awful the devil is. He uses pain and heartache to lie to us, which often leads us to bitterness. And then we sit down and, and with the enemy and he's talking to us and we invite him right into our hearts and into, into our homes of our hearts and sit down and have coffee with him and, and shake hands in agreement with what he's saying about us. And we agree. We believe it. Painful situations lead to bitterness. We shake hands with the enemy. Then those lies that he has spoken to us become our identity. And every failure, every problem, every issue that we face stems from them. We begin to seek validation from everything else. Try to find a way to crush those lies on ourselves, And every time it only deepens them. I can say all this because I've lived it. I remember as it, I remember when I was young, my, my, I had wonderful parents. Um, I still have wonderful parents. We just saw them last weekend. <coughs> my dad was really big on good grades, which is great. I'm good. I'm big on good grades. My dad was really big on good grades. I want you to get good grades. And, and um, I remember I, I worked so hard. We went to a little Christian school in Westfield, and um, I brought back my report card. This is back when report cards had letters on them, not just like you know, numbers and all that. I don't even understand my kids' report cards sometimes. I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on. But mine had like A, B, C, D, all these different things. And, and uh, I remember bringing back my report card, and I had all A's. All A's. A pluses. And one B plus. Back then, it was like 93 was a B plus, 94 was an A minus. I know things have severely changed, apparently. But I was still like, this is a pretty good report card. Like, you know, this is, and I brought it to him. And my dad, who was, you know, so, so unbelievably good to me, I remember as a kid, him saying, you know, hey, well, that B-plus could have been an A. And he was proud of me, by the way. But in that moment, as a seven, eight-year-old kid, guess what happened? The enemy said, you know what? Nothing you ever do will be good enough for him. Even if it was an A-minus, he'd about to be an A-plus. He'll always find something that's not good enough. And you know what happened as a little boy? I believed it. And then, guess what? All throughout my life, as I got high school, college, ministry, I was in youth ministry, guess what? I never felt good enough. I was always trying to please everybody. And if I didn't please someone, if I felt like someone wasn't pleased, oh, I fell apart. Nothing I have to say is important. That's another lie, I believe, sometimes. As a pastor, oh, the enemy tries all the time. He's said it to me already this morning when I've been up here. They don't really care what you have to say. What gives you the right to tell them this? I'll never accomplish anything. I've heard that lie. You know, you start a church right before COVID. <laughs> and the enemy really wants to say, man, you do not know what you're doing, dude. You don't, you, don't, you, only, you only have this many people in church today. You only have this. Oh, oh my goodness. It's, it's, and over and over. I'll never be man enough. Man, I'm short now. You think I'm short now? I was shorter when I was younger. And I was like a rail. Like I could hide behind a grain of rice. Okay? I was <coughs> not athletic. That's why I started playing guitar. <laughs> and, um, man, I was the kind of kid that like, for our little tiny Christian school soccer team, I'd tell the coach I had diarrhea so I wouldn't have to play. You know, I was, just, I was just not good. And a lot of people around me were good. And the enemy used even that in my life. You know, I was in Michigan, serving in Michigan. And people in Michigan are weird, okay? And they all hunt a lot, and they're all big on guns and glory. Ugh, and I'm just, I wasn't, that wasn't really me. But I felt like less than because I wasn't. And the devil and the enemy constantly tried to make me feel like I'm not gifted Everybody's against me. I've mentioned in the past addictions that I struggled with. And um, before I ever moved out here, um, I struggled with addiction to pornography for most of my life, since I was just a little kid. And um, just the door opened as a, at a young age, and, and I never dealt with it. And I thought, well, it'll, it'll phase out, and it just didn't for me for many years. And guess what that did? That brought such shame 
and guilt that ate away at me. And I tried everything I could to overcome that, to stay busy. Even when I was in youth ministry, trying to serve the Lord, that was still a battle for me. And guess what? Every time I preached at a big youth conference with hundreds and hundreds and sometimes thousands of teenagers and led singing and got all the kids riled up and and did this and and all these fun things, (coughs) I knew in the back of my mind that I had secrets that no one knew about and I felt so horrible about myself, hated myself. And I remember the enemy saying, you'll never change. You'll never change, man. You'll never be free. You'll never overcome that. I thought, man, if, every, if anybody found out about this, my life would be over. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was another lie. If, 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 well, if you tell your wife, she's going to leave you and take the kids, and, and your ministry is going to fall apart, and, all the, and I believed all that. And guess what I did? I fell deeper and deeper into shame and addiction, and I was so miserable. I look back at pictures from years ago when I had my secrets, and I'm like, that guy looks miserable. He looks stressed. And it took, it took me getting to the bottom of my rope. Before we ever got here, before we ever moved to the cave, for God to just turn me upside down in my head and, and show me all the lies that I had believed for so many years. That I just man, created this person that I hated. I was so impatient. I was so judgmental. I was so critical. I was such a jerk. And, and everybody, I looked like I was doing great. People come to me and say, you guys are so the perfect couple. You're such a good preacher. You're so good at leading singing. You're such a good dad. You're such a good youth pastor. And I'm like, thank you. And then I get home and I'd be like, oh, wait, no, you're horrible. You're a loser. You're an addict. You're a mess. If people knew, man, could you imagine if people knew the real you? Oh, and I just lived that life. It ate away at me. And wouldn't you know that when God finally exposed me, when God finally, when the truth finally came out, the work that he did in my life, when I suddenly began to understand, like, oh, man, all those lies that I believed for so long aren't true. No, no, I'm, I'm created in the image of God. And, and, and all throughout, <coughs> throughout my life, God had reinforced those lies that I've been believing with situations and ministry and this and that, and always, and it became who I thought I was and who I'd be forever. But God in his grace, in painful grace, allowed me to face those lies head on. Listen, are you with me, church, this morning? Does this make sense to you? Listen, you have been lied to for long enough. You've been lied to for long enough, and we are in this fight together. There's a reason that since I've pastored this church that I've tried to be very open. And many of you have known that I've talked to you personally <coughs> and been open about some of my past struggles. It's because I know that the truth will set you free. We're in this fight together. I don't have to live those lies. And you don't have to live in those lies and believe those things about yourself because they're just not true. Every weakness, every sin, every insecurity, every fear begins with a lie from the enemy. Every single one of them. It starts with him whispering in your ear. Listen, I, I know a story of a, of, a, of, a, of a godly woman who struggled with her self-image for so many years. So many years. And it all stemmed from when she was just four years old and she was just wearing a little sweatsuit and a family member said that she looked fat as a little kid. And she remembered that instance from when she was four. And guess what? For the rest of her life, until she was in her late 20s, she struggled with self-image and always felt like she had to, 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 to look better and do... And it all stemmed from a lie when someone said something about her it's being stupid and the enemy whispered in that little four-year-old girl's ear, man, you don't look good or you, you look this or that or whatever, and it followed her. That's the enemy. When I was just a little boy, there's a reason I remember the details of that story with my father. Because it was a pivotal moment in my life. And there's a reason why you remember situations in your life, challenging situations, scary situations, awful situations, and you can go back to those times and remember the details and, 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 and everything about it because it was a moment in your life when the enemy whispered in your ear something that wasn't true and you believed it. How can I be free 
from these lies? How can I even figure out which lies I'm believing? Because that's part of the problem. We don't even know that we're believing these lies because to us, they're just truth. I want to give you a few things this morning and we'll be done. Number one, ask God to show you the lie. Some of you have to go home today or even in an invitation and say, Lord, show me what I've been believing that's not true. Show me the lie that I've been believing. You got those things that you wrote down? Show me the lie that I'm believing that's not true. Show me. And then say, God, bring me back to when I first heard it. I did that. When I found this list and I saw this list of lies, which, by the way, I got this when I was away at a, at a, uh, a men's intensive when I came clean and got right with God. I went away for four days to try to get help, and God taught me some amazing things. And I saw this list of lies, and I said, man, I, I felt that way before. Lord, when was the first time I felt that? And guess what God began to do? He began to bring me back situations in my life when I heard those lies. It was amazing. I was just blown away. And I got to go back and say, you know what? No. The truth is my dad wasn't being a jerk. My dad was proud of me. I know that. That was me. That was me, even as a young kid, believing something that wasn't true. Ask God to bring you back to where that lie began. And I add this, don't live in hidden sin. When you live in hidden secret sin, there is no room for growth. God's grace cannot give you freedom. Uh, when, when the grace of God is resisted in hidden sin and secret sin, freedom is bound. You have to get right. Ask God to forgive you for believing the lie. I do this, Lord, forgive me for believing that I'm not worthy or that I'm not good enough or that I'm not filling the blank because that's just not true. And in doing that, you have to begin vocally proclaiming the truth. How can you do that? You have to realize that you're created in the image of God, right? Uh, God created man in his own image. So if I say I'm stupid, I'm just an idiot. I'm stupid. Oh, God's not stupid, is he? God's not an idiot. I'm created in his image. Well, I'm just an angry person. That's just who, that's my personality. I just have a short temper. Does God have a short temper? Does, <coughs> does God get sinfully angry? No, he doesn't. Well, I'm a failure. God never fails. And I'm created in his image, so I'm not a failure. Well, I'm, I'm less of a man because of the, God's almighty. We are created in his image. I'm not worth it, you may think. I'm just not worthy. I'm not worth it. God made you, church. The scriptures say in Proverbs chapter 3, 23 and verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think and say about yourself constantly is what you will believe. And I'm telling you, church, if we continue to live in these lies... We're not going to be able to move forward in life. It's not an easy journey, by the way. It's not a pain-free journey to face these things. Some of you are going to have to visit some times in your life that you don't really want to visit. Because it was in those dark moments of life where the enemy whispered a lie into your heart and mind. And you believed it, just like I did. We don't want to relive those times, but I'm telling you, going back to those times, acknowledging the pain and hurt that maybe some of you suffered, but with that, recognizing that what the enemy whispered to you in those moments of darkness and pain was not the truth, and to speak truth to it. Because of Jesus, I'm not a failure. Because of Jesus... I'm not stupid. Because of Jesus, I'm created by God. I'm not ugly. I'm not this. I'm not that. It's not about being good enough. He is enough for me. How can we protect ourselves? I got these things, and you can read them. You can write them down. Church, you have to be on guard. You have to remember and remind yourself that the enemy is out there. The enemy's out there. The Bible says we, we should not be unaware of his schemes. He's out there, and he's not like taking a vacation just because you're going through a hard time. In fact, he's working overtime when you're going through a hard time. Because he knows that when you're down, when you're low, when you're insecure, when you're filling the blank, when you're at a low spot, he's like, well, this is where I can really get them. They'd be on guard. You have to be on guard and recognize that. The, sometimes you're going to hear something in your mind, you're going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not me talking. That's not this Holy Spirit of God talking. Would the Holy Spirit of God say, you're such a loser, Dan? Would the Holy Spirit of God say, Shy, you'll never be good enough for, for this? 
No one cares about you. Would the Spirit of God ever say that to any of us? No. But what do we do? We just assume it's true. We believe it. You, you, you know what? You, you're just not useful anymore. You have nothing to offer anymore. I've heard so many senior saints and those who, who have been in, who've known the Lord for many years, they think, I just, I have nothing to offer anymore. That's a lie of the enemy. That's not true. The enemy attacks the youngest child and the oldest saint. That's just the way it is. No one is exempt from the lies of the enemy. You're not important. Would the Spirit of God whisper these, these things into our ears? No, he would not. And yet, we hear them and we believe them. We hear them, we believe them, and he says it again, we believe it again, and sooner or later, that's just our identity. And some of you are literally living there right now. You're living your life not based on a true story. You know how that phrase, based on a true story? You're not living that. You're living your life based on a lie. You're living a lie without even realizing it. With the thoughts you have. You look in the mirror and you're like, I can't stand that person. That's not God's purpose for you. That's not God's will for you. You look in the mirror and say, people would be... You know, you think with a guy with a beautiful wife who loves him and, and show, has shown grace to him and four beautiful kids that I would never think things like, people would be better off without me. And I have. I have. There have been times I thought, you know what? If, if I just wasn't here, people wouldn't, you know, this, this church would be better with somebody else. Oh, I've thought that before. You're like, I can't believe it. Believe it, it's true. People would just be better off without me. Some of you have looked in the mirror and thought that. And you've even begun to consider, how could, and you're like, no, I don't want to think that way. But still, and by the way, that's the enemy in your, heart, in your mind speaking to you. This will never work out. You'll never accomplish anything. Why do you even try? Oh, he's real, church. But what's awesome is God's bigger. God's bigger than those stupid lies. He's bigger than that stinking jerk that hates you. He's bigger than him. And he's already defeated the power of sin and lies on the cross. We just have to tap into that power. We have to be on guard. We have to create the habit of being open. Nobody likes to be open. Well, I'm sorry, I, I take that back. I like to be open now because I've seen the change it's done in my life. I've seen the freedom that i found by being open. Does that mean I never have any anxiety? No. Does that mean I never have any stress? No. <clears throat> but I'll tell you one thing. I'd much rather live a life being open with a little bit of pain here and there than living a life completely in secret when no one knows anything I struggle with at all because that's a miserable life. It's like a shame. It's a cancer that eats away at us. We had to create the habit of being open. Stop keeping everything to yourself. I'm just a private person. Well, that's not, the that's not how God created us to be. God created us to be part of a community. It doesn't mean I get up on Facebook and say, by the way, and, or I'll get up on the town square and tell everybody. No, but, but I have people that God placed in my life that I can be open with. Number one, my wife. And what a godly woman she is that's walked me through some of the darkest times in our life. And our marriage is stronger than it ever has been because of openness on both sides. You have to create the habit of being open. Because guess what? The enemy is going to say, you can't tell them that. What are they going to think of you? What if they knew this about you? You think the Spirit of God would want you to keep secrets? No. But what do we do? We fall for it and believe it. Any time in my life that I have, in the last however many years since God gave me freedom, have I thought things like, well, if they found out this, I'm like, nope, that's uh, now I'm going to. Now you've made me actually, now I'm going to go right now and say something about it. Because if, if the Spirit of God's ever going to say, well, don't do this or that, uh, and try to keep a secret, the, the enemy is going to do that. The Spirit of God won't. You have to create the habit of being open. Being open. Sometimes when you bring that darkness in your soul and in your mind out into the light, guess what? The darkness loses its power. It's the way it is. You're going to darken light a candle, guess what? That darkness dissipates and light is there. And the dark lies that you believed in your heart, that you've kept to yourself, when you finally bring that out into the light and you expose it into the light and you share and you're open, that it loses power over you. We have to create the habit of being open. We have to stay in the Word. We have to stay in the Word of God. The Word of God is a living book. It's powerful. It changes lives. We have to pray consistently. Say, God, give me grace. I've, listen, even last, I'll tell you this, last night, 
Last night as I'm preparing my message and going over my notes, the enemy tried to mess with me and tried to tell me that, you know, no one cared about what I had to say. And me and Marissa got in a tiny little, little argument about something so stupid. And I'm like, oh. And I'm driving over to Dollar General. And before I left, she goes, are you okay? Like, what's going on with you, man? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I got, like, offended at something really stupid that wasn't at all. Shouldn't. And the enemy already was trying to convince me that she didn't really care about me or that she didn't really care about what I had to say or that <coughs> this and that, whatever. That's all a bunch of bull. It's a lie. And, I, and thank God for a wife that says, hey, man, like, and I'm driving to Dollar General. I'm like, you're literally preparing a message about not believing the lies of the enemy and you are believing the lies of the enemy. It, like in the same moment. And I said, God, thank you for your grace and showing me that. I went home and we were great. We had an awesome, we, made, we, we started a 750-piece puzzle. And we're about like one-ninth of the way through, you know. <laughs> Takes a couple of years to finish it. But that's just what happens. It's constant. It's going to be daily for you guys, for me too. Where we're going to have to pray, say, God, show me what's a lie. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to recognize the enemy. Lord, help me to recognize the enemy's voice and not just assume it's my own voice. But know it's the enemy's. And then to speak truth constantly. People call them affirmations. I don't care what you want to call them. But you've got to start speaking truth to yourself. I am a child of God. When I struggle with pastoring that I'm not enough, I say, I'm called by God. God brought my family here. God brought the Savini family to the cave to start Coastline Baptist Church. He called me here. I'm the man for the job, not because I'm something special, but because God is. And he brought me here. I have to speak truth to myself. Listen, I can be a good father. I, I will be a good husband. I, I will be a good father. I will be a good husband by the grace of God in my life. I will be a good pastor. I will be a good friend. But speaking truth to yourself constantly. You don't want to live a life consumed with lies about yourself. God is for you. And the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? I want to read you these lyrics to a song. And we're going to be through this morning. It's a great song. I think it was playing in the, in the lobby this morning. And maybe I'll play it when we leave. But it's called The Voice of Truth. And this is what it says. Oh, what I would do to have the kind of faith it takes to climb out of this boat I'm in onto the crashing waves, like Peter when he walked in the water. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. And he's holding out his hand. But the waves are calling out my name. And they laugh at me. Reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed. And the ways they keep on telling me time and time again, you'll never win. You'll never win. And the chorus says, but the voice of truth <laughs> tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says, this is for my glory. And out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of of truth. The second, course, uh, second verse is, oh, what I would do to have the kind of strength it takes to stand before a giant, David and Goliath, with just a sling and a stone, surrounded by the sound of a thousand warriors shaking in their armor, wishing they'd have had the strength to stand. But the giant's calling out my name, and he laughs at me, reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed. The giant keeps on telling me time and time again, you'll never win. You'll never win. And the bridge says, but the stone was just the right size to put the giant on the ground. And the waves, they don't seem so high on top of them looking down. I'll soar with the wings of eagles when I stop and listen to the sound of Jesus singing over me, the voice of truth. Tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. And out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose, and I hope you will choose, to listen to that voice of truth. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Church, I don't know if I was supposed to... I don't know if I did this topic justice or not. I don't know what you're facing. What I, what I, my goal is this, though, as pastor, with this message this morning. All I want... I know I'm not... All I want for you is to start recognizing the lies that you've believed. That's all I want.
Because I know that if you recognize that it's a lie and you begin to speak the truth to it by the grace of God, your life will change and you'll find freedom. And man, I want that for you. I want you to live in freedom. I want you to live in grace. I want you to live in openness. I want you to live believing truth. You're a child of God. Fear is a liar. Trust him. God's not some little kid with a magnifying glass and you're the ant and he's trying to show you. No, 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 that's not what it is. God looks down at you and he smiles and he's proud. And he knows life is tough and he knows that you mess up sometime, but he still loves you. He still accepts you. You're still worthy. You're worthy of love because of him. You're not a failure. You're not stupid. You're not ugly. You're not whatever. You, you, you can be free. You can accomplish great things for God. You're not a burden. Not everything you do turns out bad. You're not forgotten. You're not hopeless. You're not insignificant. You're accepted. You're important. And this is not a self-help message. I'm not trying to make it that way. I'm trying to make it that this is what God says about you. So believe it. You got to be on guard, church. You got to create habits of being open. You got to stay in that word. Stay in that word. Why do you think you get so tired in the morning or at the end of the day when normally you'd read your Bible, read your devotional, who do, you think, who do you think doesn't want you to read that book? Who do you think is whispering you all the things that are more important to do? Who do you think it is that's saying, you just don't have time for that? Anything that the enemy can do to hinder your growth, he will do. And we just got to counter it. We got to see it coming. But you've been believing some lies about yourself. How many would say, there's been some lies I've been believing. Would you slip up your hand? Thank you. Mine's up too, church. God bless us. We trust you. We love you. Help us to cast down these lies. Please, Lord. Help us to cast down these lies, to be on guard, to know there's an enemy out there. Thank you for your love. <laughs> Thank you for your truth. God helps us to take this seriously. Bless us, Lord, in your precious and holy name we ask for all these things. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your home. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.